and welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. It is Thursday afternoon, and you are joining us for some post-market commentary. This afternoon, I am joined by Chris Temple, who is the founder and editor of The National Investor. Chris joins us from Florida. Uh, Chris, we've got a lot to talk about today, and we're going to try to keep it on a reasonable time because a lot happened, actually. There's a lot of green on my board. Um, the Dow Jones uh, and the S&P were both up just over 2%, so good green days, uh, making about half of what they lost yesterday after just getting uh, really pushed down. But we also want to talk about gold because gold had a massive day up 3%, but astonishingly, astonishingly, the miners continue to outperform the yellow metal. GDX was up over 4%, and the GDXJ was also up uh, 4% as well. Uh, what were your takeaways today, Chris? And just give us an overall look of what you thought was uh, taking place in the market today. Well, the Cliff Notes, Cliff Notes version, Trevor, is that the rallies in the broad stock market and particularly in oil are extremely suspect. Uh, the rally in gold is not. I've for quite some time made a distinction between gold and pretty much everything else. Uh, gold has got a bright future almost regardless of what happens with the situation while the other base metals and commodities are still in a world of trouble for the foreseeable future. There's going to be some exceptions as we move along, but that's my general take. Last but not least, uh, the move today that got relatively little attention but still tells me a great deal about the stresses still in the global economy and markets is that once again, we're back on the wrong side of 100 on the U.S. dollar index. All right, so let's break that down into a couple segments here, Chris. Um, let's start with the dollar, and then we'll talk about the news out of the oil sector and then go into the miners. But yeah, you're right. That dollar is uh, still above triple digits, uh, even despite uh, all the liquidity and the cash printing that the uh, Fed is suspiciously pushing in all sorts of maneuvers here, uh, whether it's legal or not. I guess we can have a different conversation about that some other time. Uh, but it's not really, it's not necessarily doing the trick as they had hoped. It isn't. And and what's really a little bit ominous about that, especially in the last couple of days, Trevor, in the last few trading days, in fact, that we've seen the dollar after going up near 103, then it crashed back down when the Fed started bringing out the heavier artillery. Now it's moving back up in spite of the specific unveiling. And this is key, the specific unveiling of direct dollar swap lines with foreign central banks and commercial banks both, where rather than having to sell anything else, including the treasuries that they hold, they can pledge those to the Fed and pretty much get unlimited uh, lines of credit, for lack of a more complicated way to put it, in dollars. But what you need to keep in the back of your mind, and I've said this forever, the Fed once in a while will, will torture itself and admit this. The Fed is the de facto central bank of the world, and it's not too hard to get your head around that when you understand that the world is on a global dollar standard. 62 or 3% of every single transaction on this planet is done in U.S. dollars. A similar amount of that is held in foreign exchange reserves. The worst part of things, Trevor, is that since the financial crisis in 2008 and nine depending on which numbers you listen to, there's been somewhere between 13 and $16 trillion borrowed by foreign banks, by foreign companies, by foreign governments 
in dollars because that was the thing to do. Now, with their own currencies, those that aren't dollarized, very weak, with their economies weakening as we slip into this new global depression or whatever the heck we're going to get, they can't even service these things anymore. So you've got this squeeze on dollars despite the attempts of the central banks. And it's going to be interesting to see how this play out, plays out. I've been warning for a while that if we were to get a significant move that came out of left field for the dollar, uh, despite a lot of those saying, oh, it's going to crash because the Fed's doing all this quantitative easing and whatnot. No, if we get a major move in the dollar, it's going to be substantially higher even from here. And that's really going to trash all of these risk asset rally attempts. It was noted in an interview earlier this week here on Mining Stock Daily, Chris, that one of those swaps actually dealt with the Central Bank of Ecuador, who in yep. exchange for U.S. dollars, we got their some of their gold. Interesting. You can, yeah, uh, it is. And it's especially <laughs> interesting when Ecuador is about the only country down there that uses a dollar. But they're, <laughs> they've are they already been stressed for a lot of reasons. Uh, the president is risking uh, new riots. You and I talked about the last ones last fall because he just sent a big chunk of money to the IMF while they can't keep up with their health care needs and their national health care system. And, of course, with the oil price collapsing, that just makes matters worse down there. So they're they're hurting. Well, one of the industries that is all about the dollars, obviously the oil industry, the global oil industry here, Chris, and that had some news today. Uh, it sounds like there might be uh, some uh, peacemaking between the Saudis and Russia. Uh, I don't know how much credit I can give that, but it doesn't seem like the market responded positively to whatever that is, if it's news or a rumor today. Well, oil did jump a lot this morning, Trevor, on that news. And, and it started out with President Trump tweeting out that uh, he was just talking to uh, MBS, the, the, the prince over in Saudi Arabia, who in turn had already talked to Russian President Putin, and that they they had a framework where they're going to announce a 10 to maybe even 15 million barrel a day cut. Uh, within a half hour, 45 minutes of that, the Kremlin denied any such conversation. And I just saw before you and I got on here that Saudi Arabia, and this is only a headline, I've not dug into this, folks, so don't hold me to this to the letter, but the headline suggesting Saudi Arabia is open to production cuts, but everybody needs to do it, including the U.S., and we'll see if that topic is broached tomorrow when the president uh, meets with everybody, uh, all of the big energy company leaders at the White House. This is a very interesting subject. Far, it deserves far more attention it's been getting for a lot of reasons. If folks go to my website, I, I excerpted a uh, part of my newsletter of this week that talks about oil. Very provocative. If you're a Trump psychophant, it'll piss you off. If you have Trump derangement syndrome, it'll do the same thing. I call things as I see them. We are in a world of hurt with our energy industry. And even if what the president said early on was true, that between Saudi Arabia and, and Russia and the other OPEC plus members, they were going to cut 10 million barrels a day or so, it would do basically nothing to help this country's industry. We got way bigger problems than that. Uh, you know, I don't follow the oil industry as much as I do the metals and mining industry, Chris, but I would assume that it would be hard to believe the U.S. can cut back production because it seems, I, my, I would think it's already cut production based on the price. Nobody's making any money off this at what, whatever it is today, 30 bucks a, a barrel. 
Well, and, and let's not forget, I, I predicted a while back in our mutual friend, Corey Fleck, when I first said this to him a few weeks ago, he acted like he thought I was nuts. I said, we will see negative pricing for oil in the United States of America. We have in recent days, heavy crude out in your part of the country. They were paying 20 cents a barrel to get rid of it. And as of uh, Monday, they were only getting $10 a barrel for the production out of the Permian, the, the, the ground central in our whole domestic industry. They were getting 10 bucks. So even the $20 a barrel, ugly as it, as it was, official spot price for West Texas Intermediate crude was nothing. I mean, there's been little in the way of production cuts yet in this country, and it's coming down to a matter of physics. There is no place to put the oil. And if we don't see these people in Texas and elsewhere get together with the regulators that are in charge of this in Texas, the hot one right now is a Texas Railroad Commission, which the average person who doesn't follow these industry things has never even heard of that state-level body. But if they don't cut production, I'm talking 30, 40 percent in this country across the board, we will see negative pricing in the next month or so, even in the Permian. Oh, that, that is fascinating. I'll be sure to watch that and we'll be chatting about that in the future, Chris. Uh, but this is Mining Stock Daily, not Oil and Gas Stock Daily. So <laughs> let's move on to uh, the metals of the day. And I mentioned it before. Uh, gold had a marvelous day. Uh, silver actually had a nice day as well, up close to 5%. Uh, but the miners also continue to outperform the yellow metal. Uh, Chris, my first question, do you think this move, obviously we saw a big move come up after the $6.6 million unemployment numbers came here in the United States. Um, you know, I, I will say before we had a conversation about this, but my heart does go out to all those people. It's a really ugly time here uh, in the U.S., and I've got a lot of friends who are looking for work, uh, unfortunately. Um, but with this gold stock, is, is this is there more of this to come? And do is this kind of the catalyst for this big move today? Well, it is. I mean, I, I said at the outset that the rallies in oil and the oil sector and the broad stock market today, today are suspect. You should you should have faded them at the end of the day when they were both near their peak. Gold is a different story. Uh, gold responded this morning, even as, interestingly enough, Trevor, when the futures, which had been up 300 plus for the Dow, if those gains evaporated when that 6.7 million nearly uh jobless claims number came out as the stock markets rally evaporated for a while until the oil tweet from the president came out gold turned around went to the upside because whatever else you might think and i i don't believe by any stretch we've seen the low for stocks or for energy or for most commodities but when you see now in two weeks rounding the numbers off 10 million people filing for unemployment there will be we don't know how many millions more Every added week that we have the country essentially shut down is adding months to the other end until we can at least start to come back to normal uh, as far as the economy is concerned. That only means one thing. The Fed will do ever more to throw money at this. The, this, this triage bill, not a stimulus bill that was passed uh, several days ago in Washington, it was a triage bill. It was throwing a tourniquet on a, plate, on a patient bleeding to death. The stimulus will come later after the bleeding is stopped. So there's going to be several of those things to come in the coming months. And that means gold can only do one thing and go up. 
And I'm glad to see that, you know, the gold stocks are way safer to get into now than they were, you know, several weeks back when they got caught up with the margin selling and all the rest, because that phase, in my view, at least, Trevor, of this new uh, bear market is over. Now we're going to start to see uh, the declines be a little bit more rational in relative terms. It won't be throw everything away. It'll be to try and look a few moves ahead and say, okay, what do we want to hang on to, even if the overall stock indices are going down and what do we still need to get rid of? And, and, and in my view, gold is a winner in, in the environment that we're in and are going to go further into. Well, Chris, I have to ask you about silver, and I know your position for weeks, if not months, is nobody could even give it to you. You didn't want it. And I'll be honest yeah. with you, my friend. I, I have disagreed with you and kind of plugged my ears and, <laughs> and made noises in the heads because I didn't want to listen to it because I've been I've always been pretty bullish silver in, in the last probably year and a half, to be honest with you, even despite these lows in the price. So we saw a nice move today and a nice move yesterday. Are you at all in a little bit more favor of silver yet? A little bit is the operative term. Uh, one of the interesting things that's going to happen here, and, and look, let me preface this by repeating what I've said before, that gold is the uncurrency. Gold has got a far different attribute globally than does silver. Central banks in recent years were not buying silver as a reserve asset. They were buying gold. And silver, whether people like it or not, has been treated, and I think properly so, more as an industrial or economic metal, a basic material, rather than a precious metal. Now, granted, when you see major rips higher for gold, it will eventually drag silver along. Speculators come in to look at how cheap it is in relative terms and say, okay, I want to jump on board. But that all said, one of the interesting things to flesh out is we go into this uncharted territory of what I've already dubbed the strange depression, is that even though the broad picture for us for quite a long time to come is going to be deflation, you're going to see price pressures crop up here and there. And that was probably part of the reason why silver went up today is because you've had such a hit to production. Mexico, I think, is, is it the largest silver producer in the world? Yes. It is. And they're shut down, just like mines and other businesses elsewhere. Um, that can't be sloughed off by the silver market. So that when you see that kind of a supply hit, even though demand is also getting hit, we can't ignore that either. Um, that, that had to be part of the reason I think that silver joined the party today. I sure as hell wouldn't short silver. I wouldn't bet against it, and, I, and I've never advocated doing that. I've been more bullish gold, and I've been agnostic on silver. Uh, I'll rethink that position as we go forward, but I'm still primarily sticking with gold and, and gold stocks. Well, we, uh, tomorrow morning we're running an interview with a conversation with Visla Resources, which uh, is a development exploration company. Uh, down in Mexico. And we actually bust into this conversation about Mexico shutting down operations uh, countrywide. And it, there's a little bit to it from a CEO of the company there. So, Chris, I hope you can listen to that. And, uh, you know, I will. Along, along with the rest of our listeners out there. And uh, so that that's going to air early tomorrow morning on Mining Stock hey, Daily. I, I'm not, I think you know me well enough by now. I'm not married to any opinion. If the facts change, I change. I'm not religious about any position I hold today. That's right. Well, that's what I appreciate about, appreciate the most about you, Chris, and other than the time you always give me. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. We'll, we'll talk again soon. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, and uh, best of luck to you, my friend. And, and you too. <laughs>